The following program is certified kosher. When you need a private eye and times are tough, you may not have the resources to afford Philip Marlowe, Dan Holliday, Rocky Fortune, or Dr. Danfield. So who can you turn to except... T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. Yes, T-Bone Stone gives you more value for your covert detection dollar. Today's exciting episode called The Case of the Impatient Patient stars Jake Vandebreek as T-Bone Stone, the discount detective, and is brought to you by Dixie's Divine Drops. When you think drops, think Dixie's. Whether you want gum drops, lemon drops, chocolate drops, or cherry drops, Dixie has the drop you desire. Find Dixie's Divine Drops at distinguished department stores near you. I love a good comedy act. These two guys, Bo and Stu, had spent years bumping around vaudeville trying to make names for themselves. Bo is tall and slender with a soothing deep voice, while Stu is short and plump, but surprisingly agile for his size. One of their most popular bits was an old vaudeville routine they had resurrected and made their own. It kept the audiences howling. I had walked in halfway through their bit and was enjoying the show with the Golden Goose's owner, Dan Childress. What's the guy's name on first base? What is the guy's name on second base? I'm not asking you who's on second base. Who is on first? I don't know. He's a third baseman. We're not talking about him. Third base? How did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. Huh? If I mentioned the third baseman's name, who did I say was playing third? No, who was playing first? Stay away from first base, will ya? Please tell me. What's the guy's name on third? What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. There we go. Back on third base again. This bit went on for a few more minutes before they reached the finale. It seemed to change every time I heard it. Another guy comes to bat and hits a pop-up to what? I don't know. He's on third, and I don't give a darn. What did you say? I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's the shortstop. Stu passed out on the floor. The audience howled with delight. Stu sprang to his feet and they enjoyed several minutes of applause and adulation. Then they exited towards where I was standing. Stu threw his coat to their manager, Scarlett O'Malley, who had snuck up on my right. Another great performance, guys. Stick with me. I got ideas and you two are on fire. Hang on to my coat, kid. I gotta put on a duck costume for the Benjamin and Noble routine coming up. You know, Stu, we don't even get paid for your part in their act. There he goes. Running off to be in someone else's act. Can't you talk some sense into him, Bo? Listen, darling. You may be our agent and sometimes manager, but we know this business and there's an old adage. Yeah, I know. You don't cut funny. Give me his coat, Scarlet. I'll go help him change. Tell me something, Dan. You're a manager of a successful club. How do I let these guys know I'm just looking out for them? Frankly, Scarlet. I was surprised when they chose you to represent them. But remember what Bo said. They know the business. Learn from them. The sky's the limit for those guys. Besides, helping out other acts will just give them better press. Well, if you'll excuse me, I'd better go see if I can help my guys. What do you think, T-Bone? Are you impressed with show business? There's no business like it. I was wondering why you asked me to come here tonight. You got any problems? You need my help with something? No, T-Bone, I just thought you could use a little entertainment between cases. You are between cases, aren't you? 
Yes, business is a bit slow now. I wanted to thank you for your help. You know, your help with the thing at the place, with the guy. That was no problem, Dan. I'm just glad I could help. Comet coming through! Make way! Comet coming through! With that, a group of people pushed their way past us to get closer to the stage in anticipation of going on. The comedy team of Benjamin and Noble led the way. Benjamin Lapin, made up like a rabbit with long whiskers and even longer fluffy ears. He was followed by his partner Noble Sukomi, costumed as a hunter with an oversized hunting cap and jumbo boots. Stu Plumfell, wearing an outrageous duck costume with a large bent bill and floppy duck feet followed, or more precisely, waddled after. He was in character even off stage, mugging with everyone he passed. He stopped in front of Dan Childress, who as the master of ceremonies was preparing to go out and introduce the act. I just flew in from Shanghai, and boy, are my wings tired. Let's get this show on the road. I gotta get to Lee Ho's French Cuisine. I'm tonight's special, in a plum sauce. Benjamin, Noble, are you ready? I know he is. The guys nodded, so Dan walked on stage. He carried a stand-up sign with the words, Rabbit season opens today, and set it center stage. Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce the comedy stylings of Benjamin and Noble. Benjamin and Noble walked out as Dan exited stage right. Stu the Duck waited off stage. Polite applause stopped after a few seconds. Hey, Wabbit. I see by the sign Wabbit season opens today. I watched the act as the two exchanged lines. Benjamin came up with several reasons why Noble should lower his shotgun and not shoot him. Each line ended with a punchline and laughter from the crowd. <laughs> the laughter was courteous, but not as loud or as long as Cabot and Plump Fellows had been. Then Stu crossed onto the stage to a tremendous response from the audience. You're both wrong. It's duck season. With that, he tore off a page from the sign revealing duck season opens today. Benjamin leveled his shotgun at Stu and Stu performed a classic double take followed by tremendous laughter. Then he ripped off the page again, exposing rabbit season opens today. No, wait. It's rabbit season. The next few minutes consisted of the duck and rabbit ripping off pages, changing the season from duck to rabbit, and the hunter pointing the shotgun accordingly. These antics were rewarded with more laughter and applause. At one point, Benjamin poked his finger into the end of the shotgun barrel, and when Noble pulled the trigger, the shotgun barrel inflated like a balloon and finally popped. <laughs> Stu grabbed the now useless shotgun and got a huge laugh with a slow double-take to the audience. Noble turned the tables by producing a revolver from his belt as the act of ripping off the pages continued. After the last page was ripped away, the sign said, Duck season opens today. Stu milked several more laughs before resigning himself to his fate. He shrugged and put his fingers in his ears. Noble pulled the trigger and shot the revolver, and Stu fell to the ground. Close the curtain and call an ambulance. That man has really been shot. <gasps> T 
Bone Stone, The Discount Detective is a very amateur broadcast theater production written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. As we return to the next act of the case of the impatient patient, the police have arrived at the Golden Goose Theater. Detective Crenshaw is speaking with T-Bone. Detective Crenshaw, as I said, I was standing just off stage over there in the wings when Noble Sukomi shot the revolver. He was as surprised as anyone. I'm certain he was unaware the revolver was loaded with live ammunition. I don't know, Stone. It seems like a stretch to call this an accident. I didn't say it was an accident, Crenshaw. I believe it was murder, and I'd like a chance to prove it. Now you're giving me a headache, Stone. It would be so easy to call this a case of accidental manslaughter, and you want to- Do you want a murderer to walk away free or justice to prevail? Kavanaugh, get me a cup of aspirin. Stone here thinks this is murder. Yes, sir. This shooting has all the elements of murder. Efficient and cold-blooded murder. And I'll prove it or my name isn't T-Bone Stone. If you're waiting for applause, you got a long wait. Even the sound man didn't add the flourish. Tell me something, Mr. Stone. Call me T-Bone. Tell me something, T-Bone. How did you know he'd really been shot? I mean, there wasn't even any blood until his body was turned over. How did I know? I know Stuart Plumfellow was a consummate veteran and an experienced actor. No actor with this savoir-faire for staging would fall with his back to the audience. Yeah, I guess you're right. It looks like I'm committed to this investigation, but I do have a headache, so why don't you take lead, Stone? Okay. Don't let anyone who was backstage before the show leave. First, let's talk with Noble Sakomi. The shooter. As we return you to T-Bone Stone, the discount detective, we find T-Bone with Detective Crenshaw, Daniel Childress, and Noble Sukami in one of the dressing rooms in the Golden Goose Theater. There's not much space in these dressing rooms, is there, Mr. Childress? I've seen bigger closets. I assigned the big dressing rooms, like this one, for double acts. You should see the small ones. You must believe me, officer. I didn't know there was a real bullet in the gun. You gotta believe me. I believe you. What I want to know is when did you load the gun, where did you store the gun, and when was it unattended? In other words, when could someone have tampered with it? You don't leave it loaded all the time, right? Heavens no, detective. I store it unloaded right here in my costume trunk. The ammunition is in another drawer. I don't even have any real bullets, only blanks. Yes, I see. It's a 25 caliber blank cartridge. There is soft paper wadding to seal the powder charge. So when did you load the gun? I usually load the gun right before we go on. When Stu told us he was going to appear as the duck in our routine, I decided to load the gun early, which was about 1 o'clock, about 10 minutes before Cabin and Plumpfellow went on stage. Then Benjamin and I left to watch the beginning of the baseball bit before going back to the dressing room to change. I keep track of times. Let me check my notebook. Hmm. Let's see. I introduced Cabot and Plumpfellow at 1.10. And then they performed for 20 minutes until 1.30. That's all I need. Stu went straight to their dressing room after they left the stage. I say we have a window of about 20 minutes for a murderer to sneak into the dressing room, change the blanks for a live round, and leave. I have just one more question. Do you know if Bo and Stu argue at all? I mean, is their relationship good? They have been a little on edge with each other for the last few days, 
and I could hear them arguing earlier today. The walls are pretty thin. Anyone backstage could hear the ruckus. Did you hear what they were arguing about? Not really. The walls are thin, but the words were muffled. Thank you, Noble. Those are all the questions I have for you at this time. Do you have any questions for him, Crenshaw? No questions for you, Sakomi. You can go, but don't leave town. I like him for it, Stone. He's got beady eyes. You know, beady eyes. Remember that lawyer from the Wilson case? He had beady eyes. Don't be ridiculous, Crenshaw. Why would anyone be that brainless? I don't know, T-Bone. People with beady eyes can be pretty sneaky. Whatever you say, Crenshaw. I'll keep that in mind. Dan, could you ask Beauregard Cabot and Scarlett O'Malley to come in and answer a few questions? We return you to T-Bone Stone, the discount detective, in the case of The Impatient Patient, starring Jake Vandebreak as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. This program is brought to you by Dixie's Divine Drops. If you're feeling under the weather, try Dixie's Cough Drops. So delicious you'll confuse them for candy. As the story continues, we find T-Bone with Detective Crenshaw, Daniel Childress, Beauregard Cabot, and Scarlett O'Malley in a dressing room. Thanks for coming in, both of you. Tell me, Mr. Cabot, when did you and Stu start working together? Sir, I don't see what this has to do with the shooting and untimely death of my partner and friend. Just answer the question, Cabot. Stu and I only casually knew each other, you know, both in the business. Six months back, my funny man broke his arm and couldn't perform. What is your funny man's name? And how did he break his arm? Answer the question, Cabot. His name is Stan Lewis, and as far as I was told, there was a scuffle between Stan and an angry husband about, um... That's all right. Go on with your story. I found out he wouldn't be able to perform just 20 minutes before we were to go on stage. Why didn't you just cancel the performance? You don't just cancel performance. Haven't you ever heard the show must go on? So anyway, I knew Stu was in the building, so I asked him to fill in. We spent 15 minutes figuring out what bits to try and went on, cold so to speak. Our plans went right out the window after a couple of minutes. Everything just clicked and we ended up having to be yanked off the stage after 45 minutes. You always want to leave the audience wanting more, and brother, that night we did. Almost immediately, Cabot and Plumfellow were hailed as one of the best acts around. I was lucky enough to get them to sign with me and I've been their agent manager, and friend ever since. Yes, Miss O'Malley. I wanted to ask how you got them to sign with you, especially since you are a woman and had no previous showbiz experience. It's a mystery to me. I asked them right away, and at first they said no. Then out of the blue they agreed. It seems, Bo, you can help out here. Why did the two of you choose this young and inexperienced lady to represent you? I had wanted to keep my previous manager, but so did Stan. After a short while, Stu insisted we give Miss O'Malley a chance, so I agreed. I figured we could always get rid of her if she bungled things up. So how did she do? As far as I'm concerned, she did alright. So what were you and Stu arguing about recently? Arguing? Yes, I'm told these walls are pretty thin. Okay, okay. We had a few heated discussions about money. You see, tradition for dual acts 
is for the straight man to get 60% while the funny man gets 40. It goes all the way back to burlesque. You see, the straight man sets up the jokes for the funny man and keeps things in order. And if I do say so myself, I'm very good at my part. He is one of the best in the business. So what did the two of you do before your act tonight to prepare for going on stage? Stu liked to watch the audience for a while, you know, to get the lay of the land, so to speak. Sometimes I would go with him, and sometimes I'd sit alone and take a few relaxing breaths, you know, to flush out the debris cluttering my mind. So which did you do tonight? I sat in the dressing room for a while. Can I go now? I would like some dinner. Yes, unless Detective Crenshaw has any questions, you're free to go. I have no questions. Wait a second. I do have one more question. Was Stan Lewis here tonight? I do remember seeing him today, but I don't remember when or where. You can go now, but I may want to speak with you later. You're free to go, Cabot, but don't leave town. As Beauregard Cabot left, I saw Billy Biggs waiting outside the door, so I motioned him to come in. When I heard about the shooting, I came right over. Why am I not surprised to see you here, T-Bone? Billy, I witnessed the murder. I was here the whole time. Gee whiz, T-Bone. You're usually on the scene after the crime. This time you were here before. Must have been pretty easy to solve then. Not really. I need your exceptional skills as usual, Billy, to solve this case. Sure thing, T-Bone. What you need? Get me everything you can on Beauregard Cabot's old partner, Stan Lewis. Especially the circumstances around their breakup. Then find out what you can about Cabot and Plumpfellow's manager, Scarlett O'Malley. Gotcha, T-Bone. And meet me at Detective Crenshaw's office at about seven tonight. Okay, boss. I better get going. Hey, T-Bone, I noticed they have the new Dixie's Divinity Dewdrops at the concession stand. I'm gonna check the price and see if I can get some. Just got a receipt, Billy. I think I can cover the cost as expenses. Also, good product placement. Detective, find Stan Lewis. We talk to him next. Whatever you want, Stone, as long as you crack this case. It wasn't too long before Stan Lewis was ushered in. He was an odd-looking fellow with shaggy orange hair, wearing a hat about four sizes too small. He looked around and removed the orange wig with the hat attached. Without the wig and hat, he looked just like any other guy. I suppose you're gonna say I shot Stu? Relax, Stan. We just have a few questions. A few questions? Then make it snappy, copper. I got a hot date later. Your dating opportunities are unimportant. This is a murder investigation. Yeah? Who died and made you Pope? Stuart Plumfellow died. And if you continue with this attitude, you'll be missing dates for 20 years to life. You don't got nothing on me, copper. And who's this guy? I'm T-Bone Stone, the discount detective. I'm helping the authorities with this investigation. Investigation? This is more like a three-ring circus and you're the head clown. Say, where's the tiny cop car filled with the rest of the clowns? You're the only clown here, creep. And if you don't cooperate, you'll be playing for the rest of the cons in the big house. Don't look at me. I didn't have nothing to do with his murder. As far as I'm concerned, you're the prime suspect. What? That's the Comey guy pulled the trigger. Talk to him. We did. 
So why don't you cuff him and take him downtown? We make the decisions around here, so shut up and answer our questions. So why were you here tonight? Answer the question. But you told me to shut up! Anyone beside me see that coming a mile away? That joke was so obvious it wrote itself. Who are you talking to? Never mind. Answer my question. I was in town, so I dropped by to catch the show. Crenshaw, as soon as Billy gets back to me with the information I requested, I'll want to talk to Beauregard Cabot, Scarlett O'Malley, and this clown in your office. Let's meet there at 7 o'clock tonight. What about my date? You're gonna have to cancel it. We now return for the exciting denouement of T-Bone Stone, the discount detective, in the case of the impatient patient. Later that evening, T-Bone is in Detective Crenshaw's office talking to Billy. Billy, were you able to get me the information I requested? I sure did, T-Bone. It seems there was quite a bit more to the breakup of Cabot and Lewis than a broken arm due to a jealous husband. Word on the street is Cabot wasn't happy with Stan Lewis asking for more money, and he arranged for the accident so he could get a new funny man. He seems to have a habit of disputing with his partners. What did you find out about their manager, Scarlett O'Malley? This one's kind of tricky. You see, when Stuart Plumfellow was just starting out, he had a... dalliance with a waitress at a diner in Cucamonga. After he unceremoniously skipped town, she found out she was in a family way and was left to raise her newborn daughter all by herself. So 20 years later, Scarlett learns about her father just before her mother dies and goes on a quest to find him. So she finds her father just in time to find out they need a manager. She reunites with him and Stu convinces Bo to let her represent them. Exactly, T-Bone. You got it. Good job, Billy. I've got three suspects and I have to get the guilty party to confess. Crenshaw, bring them in and have them sit down. Alright, Stone. This better work. The DA is already on my case to get this solved pronto. I carefully observed the three as Sergeant Kavanaugh escorted them into the office. They all looked nervous as they sat on three wooden chairs especially brought in for this meeting. There is a principle in law enforcement. There are three characteristics of a crime that must be established to determine guilt. Those are means, motive, and opportunity. It is my opinion, and I believe the facts bear me out. All three of you had the ability, motivation, and chance to murder Stuart Plumfellow. Please do tell, Mr. Stone, uh, T-Bone. You, Mr. Beauregard Cabot, were heard backstage arguing with the victim about money. And money, as we all know, is a popular motive for murder. So what's new? All actors argue about money. I guess that's true. You, Mr. Stan Lewis, had been arguing with Bo about money until an unfortunate and possibly planned accident set the stage for Cabot and Plumpfellow to unite and for you to lose one of the best straight men in the business. Planned? Accident? That discussion is for another time. But you, Miss O'Malley, have a unique motive. Raised by a single mother, you learned who your father was just before your mother died. Maybe you decided to search him out to pay for abandoning you and your mother? I wouldn't do that. As I see it, all three of you had means, motive, and opportunity. I paused for a moment to figure out what I wanted to say next. 
Suddenly, they all jumped to their feet and spoke at the same time. All right, I admit it. I killed Stu. The three of them stood there, looking at each other. No, you didn't. Yes, yes I, I did. did. What? How did you know they were all guilty? I didn't. I'm telling you the truth, Crenshaw. I took a dramatic pause to come up with something else to say, and they, well, you saw. And there you have it, a confession. Well, three of them. This worked out better than I thought it would. So what do I tell the DA? Which one changed the blank cartridge for the bullet that killed him? It doesn't matter. They each thought that that's what they were doing. Let the DA figure it out. I like the way you think, T-Bone. Kavanaugh, get these murderers out of here. That's a wrap. Yeah, Crenshaw, we can wrap this up and I'll take it home and throw it in the fridge. You've been listening to T-Bone Stone, The Discount Detective, a very amateur broadcast theater production starring Jake Vandebreek as T-Bone Stone and Kirk Spicer as Billy Biggs. Also starring Rick Ice as Detective Crenshaw and Benjamin Lapin. Additional cast members are Ernie Wilson as Daniel Childress and Stan Lewis, Nathan Vandebrake as Beauregard Cabot, Emmanuel Martinez as Stuart Plumpfellow and Noble Sukomi, and Paula Morris as Scarlett O'Malley. The Case of the Impatient Patient was written by Donald Spicer and directed by Doug Schaefer. This exciting episode has been brought to you by Dixie's Divine Drops. Dixie delivers you a daily delight of delicious dainties. You can't deny Dixie's Drops are dreamy. So don't dilly-dally, buy some today. Be sure to catch our next episode when T-Bone Stone says... A painting of a New England water wheel, a tarnished silver teething rattle, and a 17th century tiling manual spelled triple murder in the case of the unusual side effect. The writer wishes to acknowledge this is an homage to Abbott and Costello. The art director was George Venegas, and music was by Fezlian Studios. This is your announcer speaking. Polly Posey is waiting for crackers. Crackers.